This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny, also in Ocala, Florida, currently sitting by my pool outside. <laughs> That's why we hear birds in the background. <laughs> oh, I'm just rubbing it in. Yeah, I hear uh, that. <laughs> and you're listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 28th, episode 2022. It's very lucky. Uh, this episode is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Total EquiHealth. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. Uh, uh, of horses, that is. That's right. Kayla's back. She's done showing now and not so uh-huh. busy. She can join us again. I'm back. No, it's actually I'm I'm surprised I'm so organized for this today. I'm, your I'm, your production notes are immaculate. I am <laughs> impressed. <laughs> it's it was still done last minute, but it was done, and we are ready to rock and roll. You I'm tell so us excited. what you have planned for today. Well, on today's show, we're talking about thoroughbreds, thoroughbreds, and more thoroughbreds. Uh, spring has sprung, and the thoroughbred sales are here in Florida, and I got to go to OBS, um, which is the Ocala Breeders Sales uh, downtown. I've and never been there. It's we actually, drive by it all the time. But you I've drive never- by it because you drive by the little airport, yeah. and it looks tiny. It is massive back there. They have, I think, up to like 20 barns. They have a full track. They have an auction house. They have a walking ring. It's a lot bigger than it looks <laughs> from from the road. And it's gorgeous and really quiet, which is crazy because it's on the side of a busier road. Huh. Um, but yeah, so we have a couple people coming on. We have David Scanlon of Scanlon Training and Sales, um, which had one of the top sales at the OBS, OBS sale um, with a horse selling for $1.3 million, Glenn. <laughs> Is that a two-year-old two year old sale or a yearling sale? Which, which it, was it? It's a two-year-old sale. Yeah. <laughs> so a two-year-old went for $1.3. Um, and then we also have Meredith Krupp on for uh, talking about bloodlines. And she also does sales. She's an agent, but she also breeds and puts together uh, breeding profiles and pairs mares with stallions. So super exciting. Um, and I'm Very ready to timely get into- with the Kentucky Derby coming up in a week. I know. It's like I planned it. <laughs> I'm very excited. He sold it for $1.3 million, And he's still talking to us tonight. He's not in Hawaii somewhere? I know. No. <laughs> he's actually a neighbor, and I just saw him right before we started recording, walking his dog up and down the oh. road. I was like, oh, <laughs> even even the best of us yes. still have to pick up shit. Even millionaires have to walk their dog. <laughs> Oh, man. So you officially ended your show season here in Ocala because the hunter jumpers have now all moved north someplace. 
Yes. Surprisingly, not as many as you would think. There's a lot more people uh, sticking around, but there was a mass exodus. Um, I'm sure the ag station was backed up for miles for the last couple uh, weeks, but um, we have some downtime. Uh, personally, I'm not going to start showing until WEC starts back up in June. So my horses got a really good holiday and are actually just coming back into work after a three week break. And, uh, a couple other people from the barn are going to start showing in two weeks. They're going to go up to Kentucky show and then come back down and hit try on, on the way. But it's nice to have a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you were showing for months. I oh mean, my gosh. Several Close. times a week for months. 12, 12 weeks straight. Um, and I didn't show every single day, but we showed Wednesday through Sunday with clients and, and my personal horses. So it was by the end, you're like, okay, <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> it used to be that winter was the break in yeah. the old days. And now there's just a little bit in December, but other than that, there's really no break. Well, and so you just have to, you have to make them for yourself. Yeah. And that's basically what, what we're doing is I was like, we're not showing until the summer because it's just, otherwise you just go and you go and you go. Now, if you have 10 to 15 horses, that's fine. You can put them on rotation, but when you only have two or three, you, you have to be your horse's advocate and, and slow yourself down because it's just available everywhere. Yeah. And you know, I, it has to be hard on your body too. You know, yeah. I know that professionals do it all the time, but they also have a lot of help. They do have other people helping ride their horses and stuff like that, too. Yes. Um, otherwise, you I'm not sure you could do it. <laughs> but they do it. They ride 10 a day, so. That's, I mean, I, I did it during show circuit. There was a couple weeks where, you know, I'm showing, I'm riding 10, teaching a bunch of lessons, and you're, you know, like a walking zombie. Everyone's like, did you ride that horse? And I'm like, I don't know, did I? <laughs> Did you see me in there? Was I in I there? I was like, I'm so tired of posting the trot. <laughs> I'd rather do two point at this point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, I, I can see that. I can see why you need a break because it just, it's it's nonstop. And the eventers the same. I mean, probably yeah. even worse because they're doing their trot sets and their, you know, their, their cross country stuff. And, yeah. And, yeah. And their dressage and their show jumping. With multiple and, horses a yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. and they're all right now in Kentucky. Doing their yes, thing. It's so exciting. <laughs> I want to remind everybody if you're listening to this today, Jamie's going to meet everybody Saturday morning, a half an hour before jump number one starts uh, for cross country. She'll meet you at the start box. And I know there's some other listeners going to be meeting her there. Uh, I, I don't know how you recognize Jamie. She's a uh, little one and you. Uh, she's tiny. <laughs> she's five she's foot. Five Petite. foot two and three quarters, and uh, you'll hear her before you s probably see her. So uh, you recognize her by her voice. That's what you listen to all the yep. time. See, normally I'd be there, and I'm the tall one. But uh, you, you'll know Jamie. She'll have a crowd. People, people will know. Yeah. It, it, you know, she looks like a typical horse girl, but yet has a very uh, bright personality yes. that, you know, projects. She so, has an and aura. Yes. yes. You'll be like, there she is. <laughs> I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> she doesn't listen no, she to doesn't me. Listen. She doesn't listen to Horses in the Morning when she's not on. So we're safe. But anyway, you guys all have a terrific time. If you're going to Kentucky shopping and, and watching some ponies, I hope the weather's going to be good for you. And uh, I hope you enjoy cross-country day. We'll be enjoying it from, uh, from the couch. 
So uh, that's for, you know, it's the best coverage. You get to see a well, lot more of the say, horses. You're going to see everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So have fun in Kentucky. Well, you started a new business as well, didn't you? I did. Tell us about it. Um, so it's, uh, how, where do I start? Well, so it's called Total Equa Health. It's totalequahealth.com, and um, it's a online retail store uh, focused on health and wellness for riders and horses, um, and it's kind of like my passion. It's kind of what I do for myself. I, I research a lot of supplements and products uh, for myself and for my horses and try to only use and put quality things into my horses. Um, I don't want any additives or anything uh, crazy, especially with the supplements. They can, a lot of supplements to be affordable. They use really uh, cheap fillers, which actually our bodies as humans, which I found out myself uh, taking some generic pills that um, I would have allergic reactions to the f- the cheaper fillers. Um, and I can imagine that the horses have similar reactions. So I kind of sought out uh, healthier options. And throughout the whole process, I said, well, why don't we make this more available to uh, consumers and I'm not the only one. I might be the crazy one, but I'm not the only one. Um, so the, my little love child has been born. It's called total equa health. And uh, I'm really excited to bring it to, to the public. That's very exciting. Yes. So um, it's, it's a lot more work. I, I need to consult with you, Glenn, because... <laughs> <laughs> I did retail for a lot of years. I know how much work it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And then all the paperwork starts coming in. And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Oh. so I just want to ride my horses. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about... You're going to highlight a product every month. Tell us about the one you're going to do this month. So, um, Total Equa Health. We're going to call it Total Equa Health's Equidoo Moment. And this month, we are bringing the Super White Cream, which is an all-herbal healing cream that heals cuts, scrapes, greasy heals, dew poisoning. Um, it clears up and prevents scratches. This stuff is literally magic. Um, it's handcrafted, blended in small batches. Uh, it's actually, there was a guest on the show a couple episodes ago, uh, Becky Davis. She's a client of mine, or well, her daughter is a client of mine, and she actually makes it. it um, so it's made in the United States. It's made in the United States. It's actually made in Chestertown, Maryland. Um, it contains highly effective all herbal H3 oil, which is the oil that she originally made, Um which is an organic herbal oil blended with coconut, avocado oils, olive oils, and it carries antibacterial and antifungal, anti-inflammatory products. Um, And the cream is actually mixed with zinc, shea butter, beeswax, which creates this protective cream. um, And it protects against extra, like, outside moisture, but it brings moisture to the affected area, like healthy moisture, uh, protects against UV rays. It uh, contains... 
it well, it doesn't contain tea tree oil, lavender oil, mineral oil, petroleum dilates, chemicals, or any added preservatives. And it um, it also, but it does contain uh, rosemary and uh, oregano, and it smells delightful. And when you put it on your horse and you clear up all these scratches, if you have any excess cream, you just rub it on your hands. Your hands feel all fresh and soft, and you walk away not feeling like you just rubbed uh, some steroids and other chemicals into your hands. And that's the way you do feel with some of them. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, that is gross, but here we are. (laughs) And so it's called Super White Cream. Yes, Super White Cream. Is it white? surprisingly it is okay good just checking (laughs) um and it smells lovely and the horses um i they love the smell of it actually but they don't lick it off so don't worry um and if they did it's It's just oil all natural so um it's it's super i literally say it's magic in a jar and um very easy. And the jar itself lasts. Um, I've been putting it on a couple of my horses for various reasons. And I've had a whole jar last eight horses for about a month. Gotcha. And that's. So if I go using, to the website at totalequahealth.com, where do I yes. find it? Um, you would go under uh, grooming. Okay. And it would just be right there uh, gotcha. up towards the top. Well, there you go. I see. I yeah. found it. Very good. So, and and you just go there, order it, and it'll get shipped out to you. Look at that. The website's very nice, by the way. Thank you. Um, we, we took a while to make it, and uh, everything will actually be shipped out by me, so you know you'll be getting the product. And I know that you have a coupon code for listeners, don't you? I do. I have a special coupon for the Horse Radio Network listeners. It's going to be real simple. It's going to be HRN. And that will get you 10% off of anything on the website. And all you type in is capital H, capital R, capital N, click discount, and boom, it'll be applied. Very good. I'm very excited for you. So we have Dave Scanlon of Scanlon Training and Sales on the line. And he has just completed a very impressive uh, sale of 1.3 million at the Ocala Breeders sale down here in Ocala, Florida. And we would like to welcome Dave to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, So you had a very impressive uh, week slash weekend the uh, last week with at the OBS sales. Do you mind walking us through what exactly happened? Uh, well, the OBS sales, we actually had a 16-horse uh, consignment, and uh, we actually had a really good week. Uh, we sold 15 of 16 horses and uh, probably grossed in sales about uh, $3.75 million. And uh, we actually sold our first uh, million-dollar horse. So it was uh, a pinhook horse we had bought in October in Maryland for 235000 and uh, we actually pinhooked him for 1.3 million, which is, wow. uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Six uh, months later. Yeah. Yeah. Just probably about just maybe almost seven months. Were you falling off your seat or what? Were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the time I was, yeah, I've actually, uh, it's, it's my actually personally first million dollar horse, but, uh, my, I'm actually, it's a family business and, uh, I actually, I've been through it with my father a few times. So, I've seen it before, but it's never really actually happened to me, let's say. <laughs> What's that feel like when it hits a million? Sorry, Kayla. What's that feel like Ooh. when it hits a million? 
I was just, it, it was a gold. It, it, you know, it's, I don't even, you know, I can't say, I, it sounds really funny to say it's not about the money, but it was actually just, uh, it's just a personal goal, you know, like a mile marker in a career kind of thing or a personal thing. So yeah, that million mark is just, it's just that kind of like that threshold or that, you know, that unattainable thing that you reach for. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty special. I was there, my fiance and it was pretty special. Congratulations. There was, a little, there was, a, there was probably a little, uh, teary eyed, maybe a little quiver of the lips. There. <laughs> I bet there was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope there was. Yeah. Man, it's very impressive. And, uh, the, the Colt, I saw a picture of him. Um, he's by Mendelssohn, right? Out of uh, Grace is Gone, which is a Malibu is. move. Um, bred by Marcus Stables in Kentucky. And he's absolutely stunning. Uh, beautiful chestnut Colt. And um, so what did you see in him as, as a yearling that you're like, that one looks very impressive? He, you know, some of the pin hooks we look for for horses that you know, as for racing horses that are a little different than pin hook horses, maybe even other sport horses. For the pin hook horses, they have to be very fast and they have to be able to accelerate very quick for the breeze ups. So we always look for a, a nice, you know, powerful hind quarter and a little bit of a straighter hind leg and a, and a lower hock set. Mm-hmm. And he had all those, and he had very good angles. You know, a very laid back shoulder. And, uh, you know, just very good, very nice frame. And the big thing too, is you just had a really nice, loose athletic walk. So usually, you know, a lot of times the horses that walk real athletic and loose like that you know, tend to be very athletic and good movers also yeah. on the racetrack. And I mean, sure. we look for that in sport horses as well. You know, you look for just a nice casual pushing walk. Um, it's, it's, uh, that means that they can use their parts in the right ways if they need to. Um, so that's at least very similar. Um, the, can you explain pin hooking for the listeners in case some people don't know what that is? Yeah. Pin hooking. I'm not sure the origins come from, I, I actually read it one time, but I, I, if I tried to repeat the story, I'd probably get it wrong, but <laughs> it's a name actually. It, it basically, at the end of the day, what what we do is we'll start shopping in around July um, sales is the first one. And then we'll go to the Keeneland September sales. And we purchase young horses when they're yearlings. And we go through and, you know, we'll go and buy, we'll buy different syndicates or different groups or myself and different friends or partners. And we'll buy a group of yearlings and we'll break them, prepare them and, um, you know, get them going on a track. And then we go to the breeze ups, which means you know, we actually run them for times and also they're videoed. So it's not just the time, it's how they do it as well mm-hmm. on the racetrack. And then we'll, we'll go back to an auction again at two years old and, you know, hopefully turn a profit. And you can also pin hook. There's people that pin hook. They'll buy horses as weanlings and then they'll, they'll raise them up and then sell them as yearlings. So there's different stages of pin hooking. Okay. Very. So I guess the, the so I guess the the pin hooking phrase means to buy something and then try to flip it later on. Basically, like a short sale. Um, Correct. Yeah. Turnaround. So. Yeah. You know, and I think you know we talk about obviously you went from from two hundred thirty five to one point three, um, and you know that that's great. But then there's all those horses we never talk about that come up lame in the meantime, and you know the ones you lose money on. We never talk about those, right? We always celebrate the wins, but the, <laughs> but you have that. That's part of your life. Is is the others too? It is. It's it's like I always say. It's like the fishing stories. We always hear about the ones we catch and the ones we get the pictures with. 
but we don't hear about all the ones that got away. So, yeah. so yeah. It, it's, uh, there's plenty of that too. You know, I've, I've bought horses for a hundred and I think I bought one last year for 110 and sold it for 15. Um, you know, and it, that happens. And that's why we always say, we always have, you know, usually more than one. We'll, we'll, we'll piece together horses and we'll have investments in, you know, numerous horses. Um, and then, you know, some are going to do really well. Some, you know, will do okay. Some may just break even and then some you're going to lose on. So at the end of the day, you just hope it all comes together and you, you know, you show a good profit for the year. Do you, and they, yeah, yeah, one oh. more question, Kayla. Um, so do you, do you have a certain number that you'll do? Because you also have to pay for the care of these horses. Do you have a certain number you work with every year? Like you had said 15 this time. Is it always around that number or does that vary? It'll, it'll vary. Like say this year, uh, horses, the market was very good this year because last year we actually, we sold in the first, last year was an extremely good pin hooking year because we actually bought those yearlings in part of the COVID year. So a lot of the sales were a little disoriented, like the Saratoga sale got canceled and it got moved to Kentucky and just certain things. And the sale the yearling sales weren't as strong. They were still basically compromised by the COVID situation. So we actually got some decent buys and then we, but we sold them uh, last year coming out of COVID. So we sold into a strong market. Mm. So there was a lot of success last year. And, but then this year we, we, the market was very strong for yearlings. So we didn't end up requiring quite as many as we probably had hoped to, but, um, you know, we still try to, you know, it's just, it's what you can get, but you try not to stretch or you try not to chase or anything. So you, we, you try the numbers this year were actually probably the amount of horses I pin up were a little smaller just because the market was so good, but we still ended up, you know, I'd say I'll probably have pieces of, you know, somewhere about 15 horses. Gotcha. Now, do you ever see a horse and you're you're you may have bought it for a pin hook, but maybe it's showing super promise? Do you ever keep them and race them, or is that not in the business plan? It's not in the business plan, really. I, I kind of say I let other people race horses. Now, I have uh, bought horses, and then they just don't think they're going to be extremely profitable, and I you know, or, or the injuries have happened. And I just sit there and say, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to push back and go to plan B. We'll, we'll rehab them, heal them up or give them the time that they need. And then, you know, possibly race them. But even with the racing game, I, I always have an eye on, okay, I'm going to race this horse with an eye on still flipping it eventually. And stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll never probably own a derby horse because I'll sell it before it gets to that point. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of risk in having a horse, taking a horse that far. But he'll brag so. about having owned the Derby horse. He'll yes. brag about yes, that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to go ahead and just be a small piece and have uh, uh, taken the money then probably, you know, gone. But it's in, we're always kind of continuing to usually flip horses, you know, because we have to regroup for the next year. We're always, you know, the eye is always on the plan for the next year and regrouping and, you know, that, so, but you know, it's always nice to have a racehorse or two, but most of the time it's, we're, we're thinking about reselling them. Yeah. And how many horses besides you, you also do, uh, training and breaking of clients horses as well. So how many horses do you have on the farm at a time? So most of my business has actually, I break for a couple large stables in the country. I break for uh, Sheikh Mohammed's Godolphin stable out of Dubai. And then I also break for uh, the Coolmore group out of Ireland. And uh, I have a few other big racing clients. So right now we have about 125 
and wow. um, at our peak. So I would say, you know, of those 45 are sales horses and the rest of them, you know, the other 80 are, are horses that go to the racetrack. Wow. Or, or even some of them may even be older horses. Like there's a very few, but this time of year, be like some uh, horses that came back from the racetrack and are rehabbing. Gotcha. That's a lot of horses. And- Is that all here in Florida? Yeah, that's all at our training center here. Yeah. Wow. And your your training center's up in um in Morriston, correct? It is. Yeah, it's located just a just a little wet, about a half hour west of Ocala on uh, three twenty six. And uh, and are you the only farm at the training center, or is it kind of like there's different farms all located around the track? No, it, it's a community. Uh, it's called Oak Ridge, the training center, and there's actually like fourteen parcels involved in there and um they're you know basically each parcel has about 50 stalls so the gentleman that uh, we've had done business with for years is called big lick farm and uh they've actually developed most of it they've just done a super job of developing it and just making state of the art and then the police i lease about like said about 120 to 130 stalls off them for the last seven years I don't even know how you keep track of that many horses. I have a rough time doing my eight. <laughs> like, that's it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's actually very, I, if I told everybody, it'd be a very boring story. Cause it's so, it's, it's such a, uh, a, a routine based system. You know, it's all this horses and racing and stuff. It's just so very routine based. We keep to a really strict routine, you know, how we check the horses, how we get the sets out every morning, how we organize the tack and the riders. It's, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's very melodic and very, you know, very day to day and very routine. Well, and it's probably, uh, you probably have a good number of, uh, staff that is very disciplined and, and keeps everything running like a well oiled machine. So that we do. Yeah. We've got, we helps. have a great staff, you know, my, my assistant's been with me since he was for 17 years. He was with my father and then me. So, He's been a huge part of our success. And I want to clarify that uh, the name of the stables, it, they have nothing to do with the Big Lick people in Tennessee. It's just the name of the stable <laughs> down here. Yes. No, no, it's just the name of the stable. I don't want it's our a, listeners panicking here, no. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and aren't they the same ones that block, bought Black Prong? They are, yes, they are. Actually, it is the same. Reed Nagel is actually the owner of uh, Black Prong, and uh, he, own, he also owns you know where we lease as well. Black Prong Equestrian Village uh, it always has been a place for drivers just outside of Ocala, and they've made it into like this really nice resort for drivers. Now <laughs> it's really nice. Uh, yeah, whatever yeah. Reed uh, buys, you know, and he does something. He he does a first class. I mean, he's he's done a tremendous job with Oak Ridge. It's just you know we have a, a we're one of the few places in town that has a mile track. And uh, this summer, they're actually going to put in a state-of-the-art turf course, and we've got we've got lights so we can train, you know, early morning in the dark. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, we've got every, you know, just they've got beautiful craft walkers, and we have swimming uh, facilities and um, aqua treads and all the good stuff. Wow. Very cool. That's so, so impressive. Can I ask you, so on your pinhooked horses, I, you know, every we, we talk a lot about what people pay for board and, you know, stuff for their horses and their training horses. And I'm sure you know this number. Do you know what it costs you per month to keep a horse? Like, let's say this one you just sold. What was the monthly rate to have that horse in training and to keep it for that period of time? So, uh, you know, it cost me probably a little bit less, you know, as in doing it myself. That's true. And stuff, yeah. But, you know, owners... So I always quote everybody to get from point A to point B. We, we used to, the quote we used to give everybody is like, it's 15 
thousand if everything goes right to twenty thousand on the high end if you had some vet bills or some you know things you had to clean up with surgery or different things. But I'd say now with the rising cost of uh, staff and um, you know just grain, hay, all, everything's just gone up. It's getting closer to the twenty thousand range, and that's a month to get a horse from plan. No, no, that's for actually the entirety and stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. For the uh, so, for the six to seven months. Yeah, so you're you're looking somewhere. So yeah, I would say you're looking a little about thirty five, thirty three thousand. You know, uh, about a month in there somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there we go. So if someone wants yeah. to to buy in, they at least know the idea, and maybe they can become millionaires too. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people. That's what you know, a lot of my friends like. There's a couple guys that own that horse with me, and uh, you know, one gentleman he's known with me for years, and. You know, and that's basically go to sale and I just call him and I say, listen, I, I mean, truthfully with that horse, that was a, he was a little bit more than we usually buy horses right around a hundred thousand and, you know, and then just below maybe, you know, maybe just a little bit more anywhere for, say from 120 to 75 is our normal range. <clears throat> but we've always just said, you know, these, the, the, what's happened now in the thoroughbred world, and I'm sure it's happened in the sport horse world. There's just a huge demand for that upper elite class that upper 10%. And yeah. we've kind of said, Hey, you know, to play in that market, maybe we need to step our game up. And you're always looking for that, that unicorn, that one horse that just gets you excited. And, uh, you know, that's what we did. We saw this horse and I, you know, I said, you know, we're going to swing a little farther and I've got people like my longtime partner, Bruno DeBert. I just, you know, um, Gabriel Dugan, I just called, I said, Hey, we got a little one here. I just, I, actually, I didn't even ask. I just called and said, well, I just bought a horse, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and they're, they're great. They said, yeah, put us in, you know, so. You know, a little bit of the then, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, but that was it. Exactly. So for to ask for, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and thank goodness it worked out. So. Well, I would say it did. And very much congratulations. That's it's so exciting. Um, where are you guys going next? What's the next sale that you guys are going to do? The uh, next sale is going to be in Timonium, Maryland. So we are taking uh, 16 up to Maryland, and uh, it's a great sale. It's actually where I, I actually, my second largest pin hook of my life happened about four or five years ago. I bought a horse for 35000 and I sold him there for eight twenty-five, And he, he ended up being a big-time racehorse and is now a stallion and stuff. So and it's... Uh, Last question before we let you go. Um, do you, do you have a preference? Do you pick out mares versus Geldi or Colts? Um, do you have a preference that you lean towards? Do you find that one runs better or just it's literally on quality? It's literally on quality. What, what we find for the higher end Phillies, they want to have a little something more like the Colts can get by on, you know, with, um, like the athleticism and maybe just being the individual, the Phillies, the, the people are always looking for a little residual. So if you want to kind of get the higher end Phillies, they need to have a little bit of family, like maybe something happening under the first dam. Like they like them to be related. Like they can, they can bring a little bit more money if they have a little family that's actually running at the track or just had some recent success at the track. So with the Phillies, if you can find a Philly that has a little bit of family that's active and is also very athletic, they're, they're really good to purchase. And, you know, Colts. It goes both ways. And does it matter if they're chestnut or not? Just checking. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't. I okay. actually, I don't. We, 
<laughs> we yeah, and, and we actually gray horses are my favorite. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that would be my next question. Uh, the gray horse and the the residual they they don't run fast, but I've seen some fast gray horses. So you know, yeah. So it's, 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 they're all you know. It's it, there's no uh, there's no like really by you know chestnut, dark base, and. Um, Great don't, horses, so. don't buy on color, buy on quality. <laughs> That's right. Exactly, That's right. exactly. Um, well, where can people find you if they want to? Is there like a place that they can find your horses listed or at least some information about you? Actually, I, I'm pretty desperate. My website actually needs to be desperately updated. Uh, when we switched farms, my it was a family business, and I think our our website is still actually from my father was kind of running things and stuff. But uh, you know, most of it is just you know, I guess just Google or you know, like our uh, our email address for anybody who's any inquiries is um, tc at aol dot com. Perfect. So that's where they can go to find you. I think I did see something on a Facebook page. Um, so and I, I do. Think, oh, sorry, we do. Yes, yes, yes. we do. He's have like, our, right, right, yeah, right. We have one of those too. I, I'm really good. I'm really good at all my social media <laughs> promoting. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should uh, uh, employ Blair to to run your your social media PR a little bit. I, I, Thanks, you'd be very good at that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank you, Dave. We appreciate you well, stopping by. Are you interested in your horse's wellness? Do you know what is in the products that you feed and use on your horses? At Total EquiHealth, we have sought out and selected quality products that aid in their fitness and health and benefit their performance. The products we carry aren't just for elite sport horses, but for every horse with a health-conscious owner. Be sure to check out our rider section as well. Check us out today at TotalEquahealth.com. All right. And our final guest for this episode, we have Meredith Krupp on um, from Goodwin Farm and KP Sales. I actually just met Meredith uh, down in Ocala at the OBS sale as well. So this is just an OBS sale episode. Um, welcome we to go. the show. Yeah. <laughs> How I actually didn't catch up with you. How was your week at OBS? It was good. It was really good. I was down there actually um, running cards for my good friends at Top Line Sales, and they had a really good sale. They ended up having the two point three million dollar horse, so that was oh, that was wow. great for them. Well, yeah. we just we just got off the phone um, with Dave Scanlon with the one point three million dollar horse. So there it's, you go. Uh, <laughs> it's big money on the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, kind of what you, what you do. Um, okay. Well, I, um, I went to the university of Kentucky. I grew up riding horses. Um, I didn't major. Everyone kind of always asks that question when they get in the business is, you know, if you majored in something specific towards it and there's not really something so much specific towards, I guess, you know, sort of red sales. Um, but I majored in business and Spanish and I always loved the horses and loved racing. And I went to my first sale when I was a senior in college and, um, I, I just love that it combined business and horses, both of my passions. So I graduated on a Saturday and took a farm job on a Monday, um, started from, you know, the very bottom of this industry likes to definitely, um, 
it doesn't matter really where you come from or what education you have. Uh, you really got to start at the bottom and work your way up. So I started there and then, um, now, you know, almost 10 years later, um, we have a farm and a sales consignment and I'm mainly in the breeding side of things. Uh, I, I do more buying of the mares and, uh, foaling them out and selling their foals. And, um, so we're not really carrying many to the racetrack, but if we have to, you know, to protect the families, we will. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of my background and kind of how I got here. So with the sales for the, for the weanlings, how Uh does that differ? Does it differ from like selling a weanling versus a two-year-old? Like, yes. So the two-year-olds are uh, performance-based. So you're going to see them breeze on the track and, you know, they're going to get clocked. And so you kind of go off of that. That's what the first, everyone sees first of the horse, right? And then you kind of make your list from there and then you go to the barns, whereas, you know, and obviously that's some off of pedigree too, but that's more performance-based where the weanlings, you know, they haven't, they haven't done anything yet. So you're kind of buying them based off of hope and, and obviously, you know, both is what they, you think they can do, but um, it's just very different because you're buying off of something a little bit more proven at the two-year-old sales. You know that they can go this fast, you know, you know, if they're sound or not afterwards, whereas the weanlings, you're taking a little bit more of a chance and you have a longer time to kind of carry them before they get there. And, um, and obviously it goes off of pedigree as well. So how do you like, uh, you know, how do you pick sires for the mares? Uh, how do you match make basically a little bit? Um, so, I mean, uh, we have, uh, you know, we believe that physicals mean a lot and obviously you're going to go off of pedigree and a lot of times what's worked in the family previously. Um, so, you know, if that mayor has something that has been really good by uncle Mo, you want to go back to uncle Mo or a line of uncle Mo. If you can't, not everybody can afford that sire, but you know, you're kind of going back to either what works in the family or a good uh, physical mating. And you're obviously going off of, pedigree as well um but i'd say you know we believe in and the physical mating is very important and we've had a lot of success off of that uh we like to raise a horse that's going to go win on the racetrack not just go through the sales and do well so that's kind of our theory our personal theory behind it some people do it a little bit different but we really do believe in the physical mating and so with that say and and does confirmation fall into that as well? Like, so if like one mare yes. maybe has yeah. some like long, long sloping pasture and you're going to try right. to find something a little bit more short and upright. Yeah. You don't, well, you don't really want to breed like say your mare is kind of crooked. Um, and you, you know, you know that she throws something a little crooked. You really want to go to a correct horse. So that also depends on really knowing your mares and knowing what they throw. Do they throw themselves? Do they throw the sire? Do they throw a combination of it? Cause they'll traditionally, most times as you get to know a mare, they'll throw consistently one or the other. Um, so, you know, if you have a mare that toes out really bad, you don't want to go to a sire. That's the exact same. So you kind of want to go where their weakness is, is, the sire strength or vice versa. And so with the mares, do you think 
you know, I have an opinion for sport horses for sure. But do you think right. um, when do they throw like the personality and the work ethic a little bit more? Do you think that comes from both? Oh, parents? yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, there's definitely those sires that are all heart. and They throw a horse with heart and maybe, you know, isn't the most always commercial, but they have a lot of heart and they get it done. They're sorry. Gators going past me. Um, they, um, you know, or, or, or there's, there's sires that they'll traditionally throw a hothead that have, are hard to handle and, and, you know, sometimes can be a little bit of a, a head case and they, that definitely the personality traits definitely go through the lineage for sure. Now, um, with, with the mares and like bringing them up, um, what do you do to get them to the sales? So like, like how long, like do the you mayor keep them? specifically? Well, the mayor, like the mayors and the foals. So obviously you wean them at a certain point, but like right. going up to, to that, how long do they stay with the mares? Um, you know, are they turned out in big groups, lo- small groups, you know, what's their, um, yeah, we like? really, be- we really believe in turning them out in big groups. Um, uh, you know, as far as the weaning, I mean, you're, you're traditionally looking around like seven to nine months and, and it just depends on the horse and how the mayor is doing. Sometimes if the mayor is like, you're not producing as much milk anymore. And it, that just kind of all depends on that, but that variable, but, um, you, we really like to keep them in groups and we believe in horses kind of not being, not being raised like a pet, you know, they're race horses and they need to learn to, you know, fight for their food a little bit and fight for some territory and, and run in those fields with, with other, other herd animals. They do much yep. better being together than they do apart. So, you know, we try our best to keep them in bigger groups until they kind of get into prep. And, you know, we're really trying to get them to the sale and we're close to the sale and we'll separate the colts and they'll go by themselves, you know, the last like 30 to 60 days before they go to a sale and we'll try and, um, you know, keep it where, where they're, they're staying in good condition, but traditionally we want to keep them in big groups. We just find that they do better. Mayors, foals, all of them. Horses are just herd animals and they want to be with each other. Yep. And enjoy the physical touch of each other and right, uh, right. learning herd dynamics. Cause I, I feel like any, anything, whether it's a human or, or a horse, if they're not, uh, they don't learn those herd dynamics. They don't learn social cues. It's actually harder exactly. to train them later on. Exactly. So. No, a hundred percent. You have a horse that's used to always getting his food, no matter what, and, and coming in anytime it rains or snows and, you know, they're a little bit, they're spoiled, but they're not going to be able to really uh, have that tenacity when, when they're challenged a little bit. At least that's what we believe in. Yep. And um, so when you prep them for the sales, what, what does that entail? Um, so we use a Eurosizer. We have a swimming facility at our farm. Um, we swim them, not weanlings, just yearlings. Um, mm-hmm. We hand walk a lot. Um, so we have them in a routine, and that's really like the best thing about prep is obviously you're kind of changing their feed. You're giving them more. You're giving them a, a sweet feed, and there's more protein and sugar in it that they're you know to to build up that muscle mass and you're, you're putting some horses on the walker, depending on how they're prepping. You're, you're swimming some, some of them will be a bad swimmer and they can't go swimming. Um, 
we like to hand walk so that they get used to someone on the end of the shank. And, uh, you know, it, it just depends on the horse. But I think the, the biggest thing about prep is keeping that animal in the same routine for that, you know, 90 days leading up to prep. Yep. The horses are a creature of habit. So as long as they right. know what their job is, then they're like, okay, they exactly. it almost bring some comfort. And, yeah, um, exactly. And is with the weanlings, obviously you're just kind of handling them, right? Like, yeah, you're just, we just, you know, uh, we just hand walk them outside in the field. Uh, you know, the weanlings we don't do as much with their joints will tend to get hotter and, and they don't handle prep as much. They're just a lot younger and they're growing. Yep. And so you don't want to do too much to them to affect their x-rays and, and their nutrition. So you really just kind of, you want to put them on sweet feet and groom them and hand walk them. And, and you're not doing as much as I would say as, you know, as cardio intensive with the, as with the yearlings. And then with the yearlings, they obviously they sell and then they go off and get broke by the, by the next Correct. set of people. Yep. Um, right. So you're not doing any of that unless you happen to obtain a, a yearling for the two-year-old. Correct. Sale. Unless we um, hang on to our percentage or we, you know, go in as partners and retain a percentage. That's really the only time us personally, we are having a horse at the two-year-old sale. So I sold with Tori and Jimbo at top line before their buddy of buddies of ours. So we'll sometimes have a two-year-old, but luckily we, uh, had 52 horses off the farm this year and 52 sold. So we didn't need to hang on to any. It was a good year. That's fantastic. That's a lot of horses. That's a lot of mouths to feed. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and your farm is up in Kentucky or where? And yes, in Kentucky. Yep. In Paris. Fantastic. And um, where can people find you if they want to, do you have a website for your, for we do not have a website. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we, um, we have Twitter though. I would say like Twitter, I always <laughs> tell younger people, I'm like, you know, Twitter is like the best way to keep up with racing news and yep. sales news. And it's like kind of my instant, like I go there, you know, especially during the sales and on race days to kind of get a highlight reel of everything. So, um, you know, we have Twitter for both of our, our companies and that's a good way to kind of reach out to us as well. Fantastic. And, um, the, well, like you said, you don't have a website, so Twitter <laughs> for Goodwin Farm or KP sales. And yep. Yep. We have one for both. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, yep. giving us some insight. That was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And, uh, hopefully I will uh, see you soon. Well, I have to say that this has been very interesting because I think, you know, we, We've heard what pinhooking is on the show before, but I never really quite understood it, and I feel like I understand it better now. It's like it's like the people who flip houses on HGTV. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, well, and they're actually know, doing that. They're improving the house. They're, in this case, they're yep. improving the horse, and and then six months later, they're hoping to sell it for a profit. Yep. Yeah. And yes, okay, everybody wants to make money, but you can tell that the people they love what they do. They love the horses. They love the process. And it's just an added bonus when you get to add an extra zero. When the auctioneer goes, one million, one million, one million, one hundred, one million, one hundred. When he does that. Yeah. <laughs> You're actually quite good at that. I, I literally, it sounds like to me, and I could not follow him when I was there. 
it was like the really good ones are hard to follow i was like i don't even know what number you watch the sign hanging up there yeah yeah i just watched the screen and uh i do have to say though the sales it was really exciting um, and obviously it's exciting when you watch the number go up, even though you have no investment in the horse. Or, well, you know, there's or, a feeling when you're at an auction. It's, th- yeah. you know, you do get caught up in it. And, and you're like, you know, you're obviously not buying anything there. But when you're at auctions yeah. where you can buy something, it really, even even Jamie's chicken auction. I mean, it it's <laughs> exciting, right? Well, you know, I was like, I was with a, with a friend and I'm like, I was joking to her. I was like, we're going to text your dad and we're going to tell him that we accidentally bought a horse because you sneezed and and raised your hand like, achoo. And, uh, you know, and she was like, oh, my God, he would die. And I was like, but it'd be so funny. (laughs) We bought a two-year-old racehorse. How how do you feel about that? Who I really admire at the auctions is the spotters. They can tell the littlest cues on on the regulars, especially because people yeah. will tend to sit in the same areas. They'll have the same spotters, and yep. they know the cues. But and then how they keep track of you know it's just and especially if a spotter has two or three people going in the same in their same section, that's even tougher. I mean, I they, well, I admire them. And the other thing too was the the auctioneer. You know, they have phone calls coming in. They have internet. Uh, there was online yeah. sale bids as well plus the people that were there and i don't know how you keep track of it all um i mean i'm sure there's a computer automated system of some sort as well but you're inputting and it it happens so fast literally you know obviously the ones as the sales go up it it takes a little bit longer but some horses are in there and they've sold for seventy five thousand. and i kid you not you're they're only in there for a minute and a half yep (laughs) Yep. And you're like, what just happened? And why That's a lot of money. Totally freaking out in there, by the way. <laughs> no, well, no, actually, I will say, like, the so we watched the walking pen, which is where they start, and they have the walking pen, and they walk around, and they walk around. It's a small little oval with two pathways in it, and there'll be a ton of agents in there. And if your horse gets pulled into one of the walking paths, there'll be a couple agents with their binders. And they'll be making notes, looking at the horse, watching them walk, making sure they step straight and and all of that. And then they'll send them back out. And then they go into another covered holding area. Um, So the walking area, there's usually at least one person water skiing, um, (laughs) you know, and horses leaping through the air and whatever. And then they go into the overhang, at least at this one. And they all seem to quiet down just a little bit, but you have to keep them moving. And then they... And it's all just organized chaos, but it's really quiet. Like everyone's really relaxed. You, There's energy, but it, it's still really relaxed. And then they just know when they're supposed to go and they're standing and they're waiting, but they just have their little section that they walk back and forth around and constantly keeping the horses moving. And then they go into the auction house and it's so quiet in there. And you would think it's a two-year-old racehorse. And it's on this little stage held in by ropes. Right. <laughs> and right. they actually do stand pretty quietly. You think I mean, it's because it's just the sensory overload at that point in there? I think, but I think it, it's actually the quietest place out of all of it. That's true. Yeah. And, but you would think that they're, they're, you know, alone in there. They're, they're, they don't have their buddies anymore. 
but they they stand, they look around. But I guess because it happens so quickly, they, they don't really know. 90 seconds comes and goes and they're like, oh, OK, we're out. Bye. Thank you. New owners. <laughs> and uh, and then they just walk back to their barn and eat hay. So there they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I don't know why. We've lived here all this time and been a couple miles from it and never gone over. You have to go. OK, so in June, there's another one. And um, they're going to be doing the breeze ups. Um, and I'm going to go watch those because apparently those are really exciting to watch. Well, you let us know, okay? Yeah, and we'll have to make a trip out of it. All right, good. Let us know. Perfect. All right, thank you for putting this together. It's been fun. And you know what? With the Kentucky Derby coming up, we didn't even ask them who to look for. <sighs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, they they wouldn't know. They, they get, That's right. They, they sold them. They sell them before that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Kentucky Derby next week and go over the horses, and I'll make my picks by name, and then Jamie will do her way, which her I don't even know what they yeah, and, yeah, and whatever numbers. I'm with you. I pick names. Yeah, just pick names. Even if yep. Jennifer picks if they're cute. So. I was going to say cute and name, and there you go. Boom, I actually winner. do better with my name picking than she does with her cute picking, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> there's something... Because the ones she thinks are cute are usually really made for being sport horses and well, not racers. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I, I did find one last thing. I, was, I picked out a couple at the sale, and I was like, I would buy that as a sport horse. And then I said it enough times, and I was like, that is not a compliment. No. <laughs> that is actually the opposite of I was like I'm going to keep my mouth shut for now. You know that one he said he sold for 15,000 and lost 100 grand on it. That's the one yeah, you picked. That's right my there. sport horse. Yeah, that's that's my, it's a good jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, where can you be found again? What's the name of your brand new website? My brand new website is totalequihealth. That's e q u i health.com. Um, you can also find me personally on Facebook, Kayla Benny, Selkuth Sport Horses. I'm on TikTok, you know, all the socials. You can find me. Just and, search. And auditors hang on, too, because we're going to hang around a little bit and do a post-show for you guys. Uh, and I have a very special episode for you tomorrow. Scott Knudsen does his own podcast. He's been a guest here on the show. And for all you Western people, you know his name. And we've gotten along so well when we've done interviews before in the past that I said, let's co-host an episode together. And that's what we did. Now, he is somebody that actually books the guests for him. And Elizabeth did that. And I think she was playing a joke on both of us. Because here we have these two cowboys here, uh, you know, hosting the show together. And he's very cowboy. I'm just fake cowboy. He's really cowboy. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, she booked an entire show about briar horses. <laughs> So if you want to I'm hear sorry. two cowboy types talking about briar horses <laughs> with guests talking about briar fest, that's what we're the, doing tomorrow. And I swear she did it as a joke. I really do. The only thing that would have been better is if you were like bronies and having to talk yes. about uh, yes. brony My Kong or pony. whatever that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So that that'll be next. tomorrow's show coming up. And uh, you're going to want to tune in. Yeah. It's going to be very uh, interesting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. And you can have all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And I'd like to thank Total Equihealth for sponsoring 
today's episode. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride. So, auditors, thanks for hanging around. Uh, I asked Kayla to stay a little bit because I know we're we're shortchanging you on auditor stuff this week uh, because uh, I am out camping right now and Jamie is in Kentucky, but she's seen and, some auditors. Yeah, yeah, so they're not all getting shortchanged. No, no, they're not all. There's a few that are actually getting to see her I in don't person. Know, maybe after they meet her, they might feel. Like, I'm kidding, Jamie. I'm so kidding. <laughs> And uh, I got to see Kayla. She, thank you. She, Kayla came over for my birthday dinner, so we had a good it time. It was your birthday. Yeah, and we fun. took so many pictures. <laughs> my God. So we're actually sitting there, and there's a whole bunch of us. And we're sitting there, and I, sa- I said, we have to remember to take a picture tonight because we always forget. You know, we're like oh the social gosh. media people, and we always forget. And sure enough, I drove away and we forgot. <laughs> and we forgot. Well, and I literally had gotten in the car and Charlotte came screeching around the corner and was like, wait, wait. And I literally thought something was wrong. I was like, oh, my God. And she's like, we didn't take a picture. So I hopped out of the car, took a picture with Charlotte, and then um, I photoshopped you. And I was like, I'm going to photoshop them, but I'm going to do it really poorly, uh, you know, to make it It really obvious. (laughs) It was really poorly. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, that's probably the best I could have done anyway, so I don't know why. (laughs) But yeah, it was so poor. But the funny thing, too, is uh, Charlotte didn't know what my car looked like, so she went to the one car that looked like it had people in it and she's like i rolled up on them and they're making out like crazy and she was like i almost tapped on the window was like (gasps) and just like turned around (laughs) and booked it out of there and i was like they probably had no idea because i guess they were like sucking face it was i was like wow i was like don't worry it's a dark parking lot though in the back it is it is. But yeah, I told her, is. I was like, don't worry, I'm married. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't they have been freaked out if the girl in the wheelchair shows up and starts beating on their window? <laughs> we need a picture! We need a picture! <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't even. And you guys, uh, for everybody wanting to know, because they all know that Jennifer and I eat dessert first, you guys all played along and ate dessert first. I, that is a new... I'm gonna utilize that was that your first time doing that yes doesn't it taste better if you have it before the meal um yeah it was i mean it was good dessert but (laughs) it felt like a sin it felt like we were doing something naughty that's why you uh, should do it (laughs) it's like sucking face in the parking lot same thing (laughs) everyone go to braised onion if you are feeling (laughs) risque Actually, I do like that restaurant. The food's always reliable, and the desserts are wonderful. Um, I think I had the triple chocolate cheesecake, and it was really good. Now, I I don't eat sugar a lot at night or any time, so I was pretty much awake all night. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, I think I had an espresso before we left for dinner and uh, wanted one when I got home. I I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) I like you living here. I get to see you more often. (laughs) 
I know, but I feel like I should see you more still. But then I think you wouldn't like me as much. So I think it's actually good that we still, still we, we keep the distance. So last night it was funny at dinner. We have these friends that were our neighbors at our old place. And I've talked about them on the show before, Shannon and Sarah. And they're super, super, super lovely. And those two get along. They moved in and met each other through us, I think. And then uh, they become like sisters. But I would have thought they were sisters. Honestly. Yeah, you would think that, but no, they just yeah. met because they both became neighbors. Um, but they are plant fanatics to the point oh. where Sarah has a hundred and fifty orchids. It's she showed me a picture. It's borderline hoarding. Yeah, it is. <laughs> green orchids everywhere. <laughs> she has her place looks, and she has one of those green thumb people that just make you sick because everything she has is just blooming all the time, you know? And she actually understands it. So, like, when I have a question about a plant, I always ask her because she knows the answer. It's yeah. crazy. But the thing that, you had the funny line of the night, the thing that blew us all away is our friend Shannon, and I've talked about her in the show, she's a pharmacist. And her, her boyfriend is a pharmacist, too. And they lived right beside us. So we had two pharmacists as neighbors. And during my sicky time, she was my, kind of my consultant. But what we didn't know about her, she said she's 33. What we didn't know about her was at 24, did she uh, say? 23, 24, somewhere around there, yeah. She graduated as a neurosurgeon. <laughs> she was a neurosurgeon first at 23. And we all just sat around the table joking about what we were doing at 23, which was not <laughs> neurosurgery. <laughs> no, I shared what I was doing yeah, yeah, at 23. It was very funny. <laughs> but it was, it was just, I, I didn't know, we knew, we've known her for years. And I know she was a pharmacist, but, and we asked her, what was sad? I thought it was sad because she, I asked her, why'd you get out of neurosurgery? And she actually was practicing, I guess, for a while. Um, yep. And she said she got out because it was such a man-pig universe, basically, is what it came down to, right? I mean, yeah. and they would not give you, they almost, I mean, it's it's like females being jockeys, you know, it's yep. the same sort of thing. They will literally sabotage you. And I know that, and, and I asked her, is it still the same today? And she didn't think it was. That was 10 years ago. And yeah. I think women have come a long way in, as surgeons now. And you, you see, you know, half the women I saw, or half the surgeons I saw in the hospital, my many visits to the hospitals uh, were women. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was, I, don't, I think it's much more common now. Um, I, I, I felt so sad for her, though, because that's a lot of schooling to go through. And then to start and, over. Yeah. And... <laughs> How depressing, but literally, I, I'm definitely doing something wrong with my life. <laughs> we all felt that way. We all felt like losers because basically she has a double doctorate. Well, she was teaching at Johns Hopkins yes. for a while, too, in her 20s. As a neurosurgeon. You know, yeah. How highly intelligent <laughs> that person is. And then meanwhile, I was like, yeah, when I was 22, 23, I was getting kicked out of bars because I was getting cheeky and snapping at people at the DJ because they were playing the wrong song. <laughs> and uh, just I was in sales and I was doing all right. But pretty much the, all the rest of the time I was going on company, you know, I was going to company trips and, you know, drinking and. I was one of those loser salespeople. I, you know, I was doing all right sales-wise, but I was one of those loser, obnoxious salespeople. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's, off, she's cutting people's heads open. <laughs> she's cutting people's heads open. <laughs> it blew me away worry. because I don't think even Sarah knew that. It was crazy. 
to think about somebody who has two doctorates by the age of 30, two medical doctorates. And yeah, and she's the baby of the group. Yes, you know, I know. she was the youngest year. one there. Yeah, by a year, but... Um, it blew us away. Yeah. It, you know, no. it always blows me away, too, with the listeners and auditors and, you know, people we met on the roadshow um, who are these doctors and have these very important jobs. And I'm going, why the fuck do they listen to us? <laughs> <laughs> why are you listening to us? Because what? we're fun. We're, yeah, we're not mentally stimulating, probably. I don't no. think. We're no, fun. It's probably but... the turnoff time. Yeah, They're yeah. like, oh, I can relax. I can relax. Yeah, I don't have to concentrate. <laughs> I don't have to think about anything when I'm listening to those people. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm working really hard to formulate the sentence right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to get through the morning. <laughs> oh, my god. That's gosh. so funny. You know, being funny is hard work, though. It is. You know, I am tired after I do a show. If I do two or three shows in a day, I'm exhausted. Uh, when we did the stage shows, you know, when we were on stage in front of an oh, audience of 300, that was, you were exhausted. If you did a three-hour yeah. show, by the time you were, and improv especially, we did all improv, which means you're, you're extra on. Well, you're exercising your brain in ways where you've got to react super uh, for three hours, you know. Yeah. And you're you're on stage. So what we did, you know, we did medieval feast, so we were out there with the audience the whole time. And I played the king, so I was very visible the whole time. Um, and I was also worried about when the food was coming out. They would relay messages that they're late, and I would have to, you know, tell performers keep to do something. So I have to keep the show going, and you yeah. know, so I was constantly doing that stuff at, at, as the king. And then when the food finally came, was a little bit of my breaks, right? Because when the courses yep. would arrive, I could eat and relax a little bit. But it was it was on for you know for three hours. And when we did the New Year's Eve shows, it was seven hours. <laughs> It, were, it was seven hours, because it was like seven courses. And then we'd have dancing, and we'd do the midnight thing, and, you know, we, we would do a whole show and have seven courses. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, it was fun, though. Those were still my favorite shows. Yeah. I bet. Good time. I'm... Did you ever act or do anything performance-wise? Other um, than dance well... on the bar? <laughs> <laughs> my life is a performance. <laughs> Um, the world is my That stage. is somewhat true with so, you, actually. <laughs> um, well, no, I, well, I did drama in, in school. Did you? Um, and did, yeah, I did uh, a lot of, I was never good at like the, the learning the lines or doing yeah, anything either. like that. That's why but I did the improv. improv <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the improv stuff I was pretty good at and, uh, um, you know, and the, the acting games that they would do in class and stuff like that, that was always really fun for me, um. You know, something that didn't take a lot of uh, memorization or. Uh, well, you have. We're doing an improv class at Podfest. You're coming. I am. So you have to come to improv class. Oh gosh, I'm so shy. Oh, I know it yeah, doesn't okay. seem like it is. Yeah. I am, but I am. Have a drink shy. first. I know after you drink, you're not shy. So have a drink first. Come to improv class. You have to come. <laughs> okay, I will. I'm not we'll promising I won't pick on you though, because that's <laughs> you know you know I'd be lying. So, oh my god! But I will tell you that we had standing room only. There, there that room was packed last time, so you could well, probably hide in the back. I would never even know you're there. <laughs> I was so, gonna say I am small, so we I probably hide. had 150 people in a room made for 50. So, oh my gosh! Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we had a good time, and it was a good group. You know, you get a bunch of uh, podcasters up, and it. It made for a good group, you know. Like, it really yep. did. 
So well, that was fun. Everyone, uh, I'm surprised everyone could hear because everyone wants to talk, right? <laughs> it like, is a problem. <laughs> but I'm pretty loud, so that wasn't a problem too much. That's another thing. People say I'm really loud. And so the other day, I you are a little loud. Really, yeah. I, I know. But, my, <laughs> but I am my too. My husband so. actually yells at me when I come home from teaching. Every now and then, I'll be talking to him and he'll just be staring at me. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm right here. <laughs> you do not have thing. to yell at me. <laughs> well, Jennifer comes from a very loud family. Matter of fact, we did a Zoom call on Easter and her whole family was together. And, and I looked at her and I said, I forgot how loud it is. <laughs> it's just loud. And I have to remind her, too, because she has the same thing. She comes from a loud family. I was like, yeah. and use your indoor voice. Okay. <laughs> it's indoor voice time. I seem to have a lot of loud friends, actually, when it comes to think about it. Yeah, well, yeah. It, birds of a feather. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> but oh, I will say, Jennifer's too- like, I can hear you I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> See? And she said she's it like, loudly. Inside voice. Inside voice. <laughs> I'm surprised she's still awake. We're recording this at night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's finally getting dark by the pool. So <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get the mosquitoes soon. We gotta let you go. Oh my gosh. I know. Actually I have the net though, but I do have to say one thing. Yeah. So I have to get your opinion on something. Okay. So over uh circuit, over the winter circuit, mm-hmm. I was I was called aggressive twice by two two different people, and then the other day I had a friend now, come over. Let's tell everybody you are five foot two. <laughs> yeah, maybe weigh a hundred pounds. Maybe I I don't think it's aggressive so much as assertive, but um, <laughs> uh, and there's a fine maybe, line there, you know. <laughs> me and maybe. I'm well, so okay. The first two times I was like, okay, they're being ridiculous. Like, I am the, the nicest person ever. <laughs> and then, I wouldn't want you to be mad at me though. And the other day, I was sitting, so I had a friend come over for the OBS sales and she was staying with us. And she walked in and we were watching Yellowstone. And um, I'm assuming that most listeners know yeah, what Yellowstone yeah, we is, talk but about it a lot. Yeah. but if they, yeah, if they don't, um, there's a character, Beth Dutton, who is uh mildly mildly aggressive and when i use mildly in jest because she's extremely aggressive like she literally says she ruins people's lives for a living um <laughs> and she just casually looks at me and goes you know you remind me of beth dutton and i was like what i was like that is not you're out comp- to try and ruin people's lives I'm, I'm, I, okay, thank you. So, but it, you start to feel a little self-conscious about yourself when you hear you're, you're aggressive from two separate people. And then you hear that you remind someone of Beth Dutton. And then I remember I had a working student for a while that also said that I scared her and she never wanted to make me angry. And well, I don't want to make you angry. I'm with her on that, to be honest. <laughs> I think you'd probably be wicked angry. Um, I I think I'm pretty fair, though. I, I don't know. Well, one thing I, just, I know, you're not a mean drunk. I do know no, that. No, no, uh, no, no. Well, no. So I, I can be, actually. Okay. Um, I, I drink vodka, and I, I pick fights. Oh, and, yeah, uh, well, yeah. I can see you and I'm. That. we got to keep you fights. away from that. <laughs> yeah. I, so no vodka for me. I'm a... I'm a true half mexican i like tequila so <laughs> but you tequila, do come by fine. you know you do have that latin thing going yes and they are known for that kind of you know personality so i mean you know if if i reached down towards my sock i would run but you know whatever <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I don't wear hoop earrings for a reason. So you know, I and it's so funny because I never think of you as as half Mexican. I just never yeah. think of you as, as as a minority of any kind. I don't know well, why. I mean, I guess I was I'm, shocked when I found out you were. Well, and I okay, I it is my heritage, but it is not my upbringing by yeah, any means. Yeah, I was raised true. by two blonde haired, blue eyed people in, in um, California, that are world, <laughs> in California, and like and ride horses. So I mean, we're lucky she not... doesn't speak with a vocal fry. To be honest, uh, <laughs> that's where she grew up. You, didn't you grow up near San Francisco? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm surprised I don't still say hella and talk a little bit like, oh, my God, really? Because Oh, you honestly, wouldn't be my co-host if, we were, if you were talking like that. <laughs> if you said like every other word, you wouldn't be either. <laughs> I, I do say like a lot, but you no, just... Not as much as some of the guests. We, uh, we had one where we took out 100 likes in an interview. No way. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think I say um a lot more. I think I, your my... generation doesn't hear the likes like my generation. Yeah, probably not. You, you probably don't even hear them like we do, because I hear them. You know, now I'm saying like, yep. and likes are contagious. Yep. So if you have a guest that's saying like, you'll find yourself saying like. If you have a guest that says um a lot, you'll. F- I actually took out one of the interviews on a different show. I edited out a hundred plus ums. There were some sentences where the person used three or four ums in a sentence. Now, we'll leave ums in. We don't get that aggressive with our editing, but when when it's like that, you can't listen to it. I mean, it's no. it's hard to listen to. And You're like, get on with it. Well, <laughs> and it, it's go. worse. Some people use ums and they run it into the next word. So it's um and then they, they keep talking, right? Uh, yeah. Some people say um and then there's a pause. The um pausers are the worst because you're always going, uh, 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 wait for the next <laughs> I, I I do know that I use I, I say I a lot so and um it's probably why you're so too, aggressive you're just self too, I'm just so centered aggressive and stuck but up. it's to buy me time as my brain is catching <laughs> yeah, well that's up why I do it too <laughs> I mean that's let's like, face it because uh, we're not as smart as Shannon and her double no, doctorates I am so. no neurosurgeon no. so <laughs> so we 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 could be forgiven for for our bad speech patterns uh, yes yeah. All right. Well, Shannon wasn't even here to defend herself. Nope. Well, she didn't need defending. <laughs> we were complimenting no. we were, her. I was going to say, yeah. where, where she need to defend herself <laughs> yeah. from? Double we're, doctorates. We're literally like, we're... Being the like smartest person in the room. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's like, I walk from room to room and... No need to defend. Smart people don't need to defend themselves. They're smarter than us. <laughs> By the way, I've learned a lot about being a pharmacist from her. And right now that job sucks. Um, everything about because it's all run by CVS and Walgreens now. It's all major corporations. Yeah, and you work hundred hours a week, and people yell at you all the time. And it's not your fault the insurance didn't pay for the drug. You know, no. it's just it's a nightmare of a job. <laughs> it really is. It's not great. She'd have been better off no. putting up with the obnoxious men in the neurosurgery lab. Or... Well, she might have something to say about that. Yeah, but... that's true. That's true. <laughs> She's like, nope, nope, still in this industry and not in the other <laughs> put one. Put up with so... the old ladies yelling at me about their drugs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, Kayla, thanks. All right, adios, and uh, happy belated birthday again. Thank you. Everyone say b- happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs>